0: For some of us, uh, it's not really hard to imagine that Christmas is over. Perhaps uh, you could relate to a lot of it with the Christmas parties being over and the presents being wrapped or unwrapped and strewn around. And whether you've taken your tree and the decorations down yet or not, you know that that is still yet to come. But let me read to you this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. 25. And as as in my Bible, there's always sometimes these little captions on top. And what I loved about this one was that it says, Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. Now, this is the birth of Jesus of the Messiah, how it came to be. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, during December, we have been examining the whole idea of who it is that is in the manger. And uh, Pastor Craig has been leading us through uh, what's uh, an apologetic of the one who is inside the manger. And it is helpful for those who are still trying to figure him out. And trying to understand who Jesus is. Or to learn from various aspects of science, which agree, by the way, with scripture, who this person, this child, is that is in the manger. During these past four weeks, we have examined eyewitness evidence, examining the evidence as written in the gospels concerning what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Then we looked at the scientific as evidence through archaeology. And that gave the opportunity of validating the gospel accounts as things have been unearthed. Then we looked at the profile evidence and we compared it the attributes of God as found in the scriptures, primarily in the Old Testament, with the attributes of Jesus Christ as they are found in the New. And we discovered that they are the same. And then on the twenty third, we looked at the DNA evidence. Does Jesus Christ alone match the identity of the Hebrew Messiah, or are there others? And the result, there is one. The goal has been to determine who this person really is that was and is found in the manger of Bethlehem. Now, if you missed any of these sermons, you can go online on the website to hear them and listen to them. But today I want to invite you to come a little bit closer to the manger, to uh, stand with those who stood there on that first night. And again, we're going to be asking the question, who is it that is in the manger? Who is this baby that drew such attention? And why was this baby so different? Now we know that babies are born every single day. And you and I know that no birth nor any baby is ordinary. Every single child is extraordinary and special. You just ask any grandparent, and they will tell you how extraordinary their grandchild is. But one thing that makes this child that was in the manger different is the fact of all the appearances of the angel's. The Angels of the Lord are constantly appearing with announcements about this child. Remember how the angel came to Zachariah, elizabeth 's husband, and foretold the birth of their son, John, who we come and know as John the Baptist. Then, in the first chapter of Luke, Mary is foretold about the birth of her son, and in the sixth and it reads like this, and in the sixth month, this is mary 's song. Um, uh, that is actually, it's not in the first gospel. Well, anyway, it is the, the birth of Jesus foretold as Mary is telling it. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by these words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never, never end. Now, one of the most exciting things of the lives of, uh, and events of most families is indeed the birth of a child. Because for nine months, the future parents, along with the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles and the friends, eagerly anticipate the birth and the arrival of this new one. They constantly are checking with the expectant mother, how are things going as the months drag on, how are you feeling? And they rejoice to hear words such as, we felt the baby move for the first time, or we heard the baby's heartbeat today. And then when that big day finally arrives, Facebook, Twitter, all of the emails are abuzz with excitement as the reports and the pictures are passed along with the details of the size, the weight, and the name of this new little one. Parents and grandparents alike also anticipate over the time of what would this little one be like? What's the color of the hair? What's the personality? What will they accomplish in their lives? Will they grow up to be good at science? Will they be an engineer or will they grow to be a doctor or a nurse? Will they grow to be a teacher or a coach that inspires others to become all that they can be? Who will this little one be? Now, I know I counted down the births of my nephews and my niece and even my great-niece. And each church that I have served, I have shared in the joy and the anticipation of upcoming births. I've waited and I have prayed anxiously as friends have gone through pregnancies and deliveries. Each new child is so very special. Each child waited for and anticipated, counted down, the reveal parties that are now all the big thing— where parents will reveal at a specific time the gender of their child. Each child is precious. Yet, even so, except for the families and the friends that surround this new one, rarely do, does anyone outside of the circle know about this new little child. Unless, of course, the baby is like part of the royal family, then everybody knows. But otherwise, no matter how special your child is, life pretty much goes on unnoticed and unchanged well that is except for a story that was told that took place during the civil war the confederates were locking horns with the union soldiers right outside of richmond and it was the cruelest time of the whole war and then one night the confederate lines were lit up with bonfires and the union guards discovered that the southern troops were celebrating general pickett's newborn baby The word had just arrived to the army that day. General Grant on the north was so moved by the event that he ordered the Union lines to help the Confederates celebrate the birth of Pickett's baby by lighting up their scenes with additional bonfires. And the next day, Grant's Grant's officers took a graceful letter through the lines under the flag of truce, communicating to General Pickett the congratulations of his baby. From his enemies. And for a moment, just one short little moment, all of war stopped on that line. And goodwill and peace prevailed. And it was because of a baby. And then life returned to normal. A newborn is a powerful symbol of hope and love, it is a sign of life that goes on and on. And each child brings that sign of hope. And unseemingly unlimited potential. Matthew begins his gospel with with the, the, the detailing of the lineage, the names. You remember those first 16 verses that hold all of those names that perhaps you sort of like, you know, read a few and then skip over to the end of those because the names are hard to pronounce? Or maybe that's just me if I'm trying to read them aloud. But the names are important. The names are very important because they trace this child that was born in the manger. They trace him back. The one that is to be born. The one that the angels announce. Back to David, the king of Israel. Back to Abraham, the father of Israel. Names that are important. Names that are known. Because they identify this child as the fulfillment of scripture. The fulfillment of prophecies. The fulfillment of God's promises concerning the child that is at that point to come. As we continue to read on those early verses in that narrative, it is the angel that makes another appearance. He had come to Mary, he had come to Elizabeth and Zechariah. This time, as I read a moment ago, he comes to Joseph. And while most expectant fathers are very, very excited, and I'm told a little bit scared and nervous too, When they learn that a baby has been conceived. When the angel came to Joseph. There wasn't a lot of rejoicing at that moment. Joseph had a lot of things going on inside of his own heart and mind. He and Mary were going to be married. But now he learns that she is pregnant. And he knows that the baby is not his. And so there's only one explanation for it. The feelings of being perplexed and angry and betrayed, all, all normal. And as he struggles of trying to decide what it is that he should do, the angel comes to him saying, do not be afraid. Now the Jewish writer Eli Weisel once said, whenever an angel comes and says, do not be afraid, you'd better start to worry. The angel comes and spells out to Joseph a preview of the life that this tiny new little child will have. Joseph doesn't know all of the details, but the angel gives the baby, yet to be born, a name and a mission. Just as Mary had been told by the angel, he is to be called Jesus. This child was the son of the Most High God, and he will save his people from their sins. That is a very tall order for such a little tiny child. Now the name of Jesus is full of meanings. Jesus means salvation. The one who rescues. It is Greek for Joshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation. The child will have the same name as Joshua, who brought the Israelites out of the promised land. Or brought them out of slavery, excuse me, into the promised land. He will have a similar mission to perform, not to deliver God's people out of slavery in Egypt, but out of the slavery of their own sin. The people of Israel have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a Messiah. Israel wasn't a free country at that time. Israel was under the Roman occupation and the Roman rule. They were looking and they were waiting for the one that would come to deliver them from the bondage of Rome. If anyone or any community got too big at that point in time, Rome would squash them like an ant. Squeeze them tight. Now we're going to hear a lot more about the oppression next week. But let me just say briefly that it was harsh, the taxation was severe, and that King Herod was evil and despicable. The Jewish nation had lived under this hardship for such a long time. They also lived with the hope and the promise that God would provide for them the Messiah. The Messiah that would come to rescue them. To give them release from this oppression. The Messiah that would come to free them. They'd been hearing this promise for over 700 years. Jesus would have been a far more popular Messiah. If he had focused on releasing the people from the Roman oppression. But that was not his mission. Instead, Jesus commanded or commended the faith of the centurion. Jesus taught people to render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus even forgave the Roman soldiers and others responsible for his death on the cross. If, Jesus, if, 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 if Joseph was perplexed when he first heard from the angel what it was that his newborn son would enter into and become. Can you imagine as he stood by the side of that manger and looked at this tiny little child, newborn, unable to speak, unable to do anything for himself, imagining that this newborn was going to bring salvation? It's no wonder that he was perplexed. This child and his mission to save the people. This child and what he would come, what Joseph would come. This child that he would come to love, to raise as his own, as his own son, right from the beginning as an infant. As they sat around the manger, Mary and Joseph sat holding this little child. And as they held this child, I'm sure that they imagined and reimagined those words that the angel had said to them. Wondering, is this really true? Could it possibly be? This child who is now a living, breathing baby. This child who Mary had been told by the angels. This this child who is now being held in her arms. But the angels weren't done with their announcements. This child whose birth announcement was not on Twitter or or Facebook. This one lit up the sky. Not with the bonfires of the Civil War, but it is by first one angel and then a great company of heavenly hosts that are lighting up the sky as they make their announcement to the shepherds that night, bringing good news that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, the Messiah, the Lord. This birth, this child was different right from the beginning. This was announced uh, uh, by the angels in the sky that night so that the shepherds came to the manger. They came because of what they had been told, what they had seen, and what they had heard. They came because they believed the announcement of the angels. They came because Jesus was born. And they came because Christmas really happened. There's another story that takes place in 1809. The international scene at that time was tumultuous. Napoleon was sweeping through Austria, and blood was flowing freely. Nobody then cared much about babies. There were other things more important to worry about. But the world was overlooking some terribly significant births. For example, William Gladstone was born that year, and he was destined to become one of England's finest statesmen. That same year, Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure minister and his wife. The child would one day greatly affect the uh, literacy world in a very marked way. And then on the American continent, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And not far from there, in Boston, Edgar Allan Poe began his eventful, albeit his tragic life. It was also in that same year that a physician named Darwin and his wife named their son Charles Robert. And that same year produced the cries of a newborn infant in a rugged log cabin in the heartlands of Kentucky. The baby's name, Abraham Lincoln. And yet if there had been news broadcast in that year of 1809, it almost certainly would have had these words The destiny of the world is being shaped on an Austrian battlefield today. But history was actually being shaped in the cradles of England and in America. In a similar way, everyone thought that taxation was the big event, the big news when Jesus was born. But the young Jewish mother who cradled her baby knew that the biggest news of all was that the Savior had been born this baby born to this young couple with no status or no royalty caused more stir than any other child before or since even our calendar has in the way that we mark history centers around the birth of this child bc before christ a.d the latin phrase ano domino which means in the year of our lord no one else in history, no leader, no king, has equaled the impact of the child Jesus Christ. Kings, emperors, rulers, they've come, they've gone, they've gone, they've made their impact on the world, but not in the same lasting way. Think about the impacts, the influences of some of the most powerful rulers in history. And now think of the impact of the one in the manger. And the influences that continue to go on. Today we come. We are here because we worship the same child that has been worshipped for 2,000 years. And tomorrow we will bring this year to a close and we will begin a new year. We will welcome it in. And even though the world sometimes forgets that Christmas has changed everything... That Christmas is more than just the decorations and the celebrations. That Christmas indeed changed everything. Life will keep going for many. As if, we saw in the video, as if nothing ever happened. Tomorrow, the day after, and the day after for a lot of people will be just like it was before. But the question for us today, and the question for us each day, is what difference did that manger that baby that was born in the manger make to us who is that baby who is in the manger and how has it changed me how has it changed you as I come to the end of each year um, I do a lot of reflection as I'm sure that you have and if anybody has ever gone through surgery you know that there is a magic scale that one to ten on the scale of one to ten how much pain are you in today on the scale of 1 to 10, how about this? It never says, how are you frustrated? But as we come to the end of this year, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? Not just with pain, but how are you doing with your walk with God? How are you doing coming to the manger, worshiping the Christ? As I do my own evaluation, I think about the ways that this year I want to grow closer and closer to God. And I think about the ways that God has made a difference in my life. And as I think about those, one of the biggest for me is learning how to forgive and how to receive forgiveness. As I have learned through my life, and it's been a struggle, but learning how to receive God's forgiveness to me. And to receive it more and more fully also means that I needed to let go of those big, huge bags of grudges and anger that held me down. If God has forgiven me, who am I to say no to that forgiveness? And so as I look at my life, that is one of the biggest changes that this baby in the manger has made for me. Helping me to grow day by day. Learning how to forgive and how to receive forgiveness. Letting go of those things, those ugly things that would hold me down. As you reflect on your own life and who it is in the manger. As you reflect in your own life and, and, and think about how it is that God has changed you. I give you permission while you're in coffee today or any other day if you'd like to share with somebody how it is that God has changed your heart and your life and made a difference in your life. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we do know that in our culture so much would push us away from you, so much would push us to uh, just climbing the ladder of success, putting ourselves first, Lord God, this year, as we contemplate who it is that it is in the manger, help us, Lord God, not just to have the tomorrow and tomorrow, be life, keep going as if, it never ha- as if Christmas never happened. But Lord God, help us to make a difference in our lives, in our world, in our families. Because Christmas did happen. We pray this in your name. Amen.